This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past four. It's Tuesday, the 8th of December. Helen Mirren. Oh, I'm so bored with Helen Mirren. I really don't want to be, but she turned up at Andrew Lloyd Webber's new musical written with uh, Julian Fellows and sort of did the poking her tongue out. I mean, do you think she's finally gone gaga? The wall of silence that shames the NHS. Thousands more of you facing this flood hell. Burt Reynolds causes outrage on TV. Charlie Sheen deserved to get HIV. He's quite clearly gone gaga, hasn't he? Don't argue with your neighbours. It's going to cost one teacher about £50,000. She doesn't have 50000 so she's probably going to have to sell the house. The girl of 12, abandoned by Prince Harry's charity. And Nicholas Smith, the last surviving member of the cast of Are You Being Served? Dies. Uh, also, Greville Janner will never face trial. The prosecution and the uh, defence have agreed that his dementia is too far advanced. But there's another there's another way round it, whereby he can go on trial without him being there. It's, it's, it's one of those complicated processes, which I'll explain to you later. Uh, the storm, which revives a cascade after centuries of silence. The Shard will soon have a rival facing it on the other side of the Thames. And uh, good news for everybody. Or not, as the case may be, you're going to get another six inches this weekend. Yes, six inches more of rain is going to tumble down, which means it'll tumble down up north in Scotland and places like that, and then eventually it filters down here. So for all those people living around Walton and Richmond and Twickenham as well, the flood warnings are in. There's a danger that the River Thames could rise beyond belief and we could all suffer in the same way that the people up north are suffering throughout the umpteenth time. I mean, it's it's just absolutely ghastly. When you look at the pictures on some of the papers, the front page of the Mail today has got one householder in Keswick. Uh, What they did, they moved their stuff up the stairs... Because luckily she was in a house. If you're in a bungalow, you're kind of... If that's it. You might as well give up now. And um, unfortunately, she couldn't move it all upstairs because there was no room. And the water came in higher than the first three stairs. So whilst they were up... I mean, you can imagine, can't you? Because not it's not just water. It's the sludge, the muck, the mud, everything that comes with it. And it's dreadful. Down here in the south, you know, we had it uh, a while ago. Was it a couple of years back now? In Walton. They got one lot. They just cleared it all out. And the next lot blooming well comes in. It's dreadful. Contrary to what I've been saying for years is, which I can't wait to go and live by the river. Being Piscean, I'm strangely drawn to water. I'm kind of changing my opinion. I'm kind of thinking now I don't want to go anywhere near water. It's great to look at, provided you're in a high rise. You know, where I am, it's very like, very unlikely to actually come anywhere near me. So you look at all these poor houses and, uh, and you think, oh dear. I mean, you just feel for these people. Coming up to Christmas... You know, one man shoveling muck out of his house. They shouldn't have to do it, even putting in sandbags and everything else. I mean, it was 2009. Then there was loads of money which was shoved into it. One particular place got, I think, £38 million. What have they done? The answer is, of course, they go, of course, it'll never happen again. We'll just get some water pumps in or something like that. Uh, Taking a trip from, uh, from Trini Woodall, I can't imagine why, why you'd ever want to... You know, imagine that these people know anything about dressing. I know years ago they did, Susanna Constantine and Trini. The cart horse and the tranny they were known as. That was the that was the the affectionate term that people gave them because they were just so naff. And uh, 500 years on, they're now telling you what to wear and not what to... Uh, and not... Oh, sorry. They're now telling you what to wear, not what... Not... Anyway, so they're just advising on what clothes to wear. Apparently, do not show too much cleavage. Oh, grow up. Grow up, for goodness sake. The whole idea about partying is to show lots of bosom, isn't it? 
That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Don't ruin a good outfit by wearing your drab day coat on top. Invest in a sequin jacket or a faux fur gilet. Have you seen some of them on the television? A faux fur gilet. Then a man on the television the other day, and he, he was sort of, he was advertising them. And I did sit there watching, thinking, do you know, you ladies are so lucky. I know you don't think you're lucky, but I promise you, blokes get a really naff selection of clothing to wear. Nobody turns up a time to go, look at this. Roger is wearing a very nice Diamante-encrusted gilet. It doesn't happen. All you ladies get tons of clothes on the television. You order them, and uh, nine out of ten times, they look gorgeous when they arrive. And the blokes get nothing. What do we get? Hammer drill and a saw. Can hardly wear that, can you? It's very, very boring. Very tedious. Also, keep accessories simple. A bit like the person wearing them, I suppose, Trini. Um, what else do we have today? Oh, what did I do yesterday? What did I... Oh, I went home. I went home yesterday. I decided not to do anything at all. <coughs> I thought I'll have, a, I'll have one of those quiet days, because today I'm off to a screening of Tina Fey's latest movie, and then tomorrow I'm off to uh, Quentin Tarantino's latest film, and then, so that's Wednesday. Thursday I've got Tina Fey coming in, and Friday I've got Tim Roth coming in. Uh, both, I think, transmitted for this weekend. So, uh, so sort of busy week because I think the film, I think the Tarantino film runs about three hours, seven minutes, including an interval. They say I shall need an interval. I shall need to go to toilet. I shall need to go to the toilet. And they don't, they don't tell me how long Tina Fey's film is running, but she's going to be in the building on Thursday. She's got quite a busy time. She's walking from studio to. St- I hope she knows. I hope she knows, but she's a comedian and actress and uh, an award winner, so she knows about these sort of things. And uh, so we'll have a chat to uh, to both of them for this weekend's In Conversation, which I'm looking forward to very much indeed. Um, accountant's written to me, always good news. I didn't have a chance to open it up, uh, but I'm, I'm expecting it's the, uh, it's the accounts for this year. It'll give me a rough idea what we need to pay in January. <laughs> like I'm thrilled. And um, the Heathrow ruling has delayed yet again. They can't quite work out what they're going to be doing about it, can they? Uh, there's also the Greville Janna story. 100 what? 100 and 118 minutes, two hours. Is that the Tarantino film? Oh, oh, that's, no, Tarantino, three hours. I think, actually, I might need to take out another mortgage on the Tarantino film. I might need to sit there. Perhaps a pension would be a good idea. So two hours, 18 minutes, yeah. Producer said, I'll go, I'll go. I said, you can't go. It's not for you. It's for me. I have to go there and then have to explain it all to me later. (laughs) It's all good fun, isn't it, honestly? I don't know why I'm complaining. My friend John thinks I've got the cushiest job going. He said to me, he said, you only work a couple of hours a day. I said, couple of hours? I said, couple of hours a day. I've never heard of anything. I mean, mean, he's not far off it, but I said it's two and a quarter hours. I said, but never mind, if if I have to do a... a, a sort of um, a film, and then I have to do interviews and stuff like that. I'm not going to get home today till... So it's 10 for 10.30, uh, 10.30, 11.30, 30. I'm not going to get home till about half past one today, which is practically halfway through my day, which I think is actually quite quite funny, really. And people go, so? Some people work from eight till six. I go, yeah, well, I don't do one of those kind of jobs. I've got a different job. It's completely different. Um, Jana, this is Greville Jana. And uh, I'm sure that there's loads of people listening who know all sorts of things about Greville Janner. He used to come into LBC quite a lot, actually. And, in fact, he came in on my programme, I think, on three occasions. They now say he'll never face trial on the, on the child sex abuse charges because of this advanced and irreversible dementia. He's 87. 
And lots of people would campaign. He'd say, this is ridiculous. He can manage to vote in the House of Lords, but he can't stand trial. What they can have is a trial of the facts. And the trial of the facts, and this is, this is the complicated thing, it takes pl- place where the jury hear the evidence against an individual considered too ill for a full trial. So you can have a trial of the facts. Jurors are then presented with evidence from alleged victims and decide whether or not Lord Janner committed the abuse, although there will be no findings of guilt or conviction. A defence team will test the case, but Janner could not instruct his lawyers or defend himself. If a jury decides he committed abuse, a judge would have three options. Supervision order, hospital order, or most likely an absolute discharge. That's what they're saying. Uh, None of those amounts to convictions or punishment, but Janna's alleged victims may take comfort from having their day in court and such a finding would help their civil compensation claims. Although I think you'll find, I mean, they'll have to do civil compensation because he's quite uh, cleverly managed to transfer everything he had into the names of the children. I think when he got dementia, that's what he did. He put it into their names because obviously he's not going to be fit for purpose. So technically he doesn't own anything at all. You can't sue him because he doesn't have any money. So it would then be a civil compensation claim. So he'll never face uh, trial, but it will always be hanging over the head of Greville Janner and subsequently the family, I should imagine, as well. I would have thought, actually, and somebody pointed out to me ages and ages ago, that, you know, if, if somebody makes claims against you, like in Greville Janner, there's 22 claims against him. It's not just one or two. You would think that they'd want their day in court to go, this is absolute rubbish. That's what you'd want to do, isn't it? That, that you would want to, to make sure that you could be completely exonerated. But uh, anyway, I'm sure that we shall, uh, we shall follow that one with great interest in LBC. I found, uh, I happened to be... Uh, listening the other day, and it, it was quite rare of me to have a shower later in the day. I normally have my showers in the morning because it kind of perks me up. But yesterday, I had a shower later in the day because I took the bandage off the arm and it was looking it was looking a bit better, actually. It's going to be scarred. I'm definitely going to be scarred uh, unless I can grow more skin, which I'm sure I can do. And uh, so I turned on the radio and I'm listening in the shower and I'm listening to Ian Dale. And Ian Dale has got this bloke on talking about the Tory bullying with it, well, I learnt more about the young Tories in the ten minutes that the interview ran than at any other time in my career. I didn't know anything about this group of people. They were going to meet, I think. They've cancelled the meeting. Uh, the interview's reported in a number of the papers today uh, about what went on and about the masonry links and all sorts of things. Whatever is going on inside the young Tories and inside this particular body, it's, uh, it's not very nice. It's really not very nice. Bullying to the point of some young man takes his own life... And uh, that was absolutely appalling, absolutely appalling. And uh, and then one bloke for whom I... <coughs> Excuse me, that's the interview that I want to hear. I'll tell you more about it a bit later, because uh, it was all sort of laid out. Uh, Ian Dale did it. I thought he did it very well, actually. I wanted to know a little bit more about this. Is it Mark Charles? I wanted to know more about this person, whoever he was saying, oh, no, he's, I wish I'd never met him, this and that. And he's been subsequently very quiet... Uh, Grant Shapps fell on his own uh, sword and uh, and stepped down. But but you do worry about what goes on within the the young within the Conservative Party. You know the the tales of shenanigans, the tales of the bullying and the sexual exploitation and stuff like that. Almost beggars belief. Seriously, I mean it's it's you know I know that many of you are terribly suspicious about Freemasonry, but in this particular case, that's that's the link that they had. Except the man they were talking to yesterday, who said, "Yes, I I I am and was a Freemason, but I've only ever been once in six years. Six years." Uh, Greg says, uh, "How do you do it every morning? Money, 
money. <laughs> like most people who get up at this time in the morning, you're motivated by money. It's not for health reasons, is it? It's not for health reasons. You do get up at this time of the morning. And I, yesterday I was out. I was talking to a, to a friend of mine on the phone. And she said, oh, I'm absolutely shattered. I said, you and me together. I said, but the great thing is, I said, I can't wait to climb into bed. And I literally, I climb into bed. I turn the duvet back. I'm in that bed, gone. I'd, I'd, I'd probably last about two minutes. You could film me. Well, you couldn't really because it would be a court case. But uh, you could you could film me. Oh, I'm late for the news. And um, and you suddenly realise that I, I go to sleep really, really quickly. And sleep like a baby. In other words, thumb in the mouth. I've never, ever sucked my thumb. Is that funny? Of all the things you can do and, and you don't want to do it. 16 minutes past four. This Steve Allen on... 20 minutes past four. I was thinking the other day as, uh, as they sort of crowned another bimbo as, uh, as Jungle Queen or something. And I began to think to myself... You know, what is this programme all about? It's just a bunch of old has-beens who turn up in a jungle set and they've got cameras and they can all stay at the Versace, which is literally just out of sight. They don't have to trek very far to get to the Versace Hotel. And at the end of it, they all go, oh, that was amazing. I've, I mean, this, this one today, the Queen of the Jungle on her big win. You'd have thought she'd have actually, you know, discovered splitting the atom or Einstein's theory of relativity or solved some huge equation or solved world AIDS crisis or solved world poverty. No, this bimbo from Newcastle stood in a jungle in a bikini under a shower and they go oh she's the, she's got the personality and so the headline is i faced jail for assault last year it's a class act as you can imagine now mum is proud of me again oh that's nice and all she did was stand there in a bikini in the jungle and for this they say oh she's going to be a presenter on itv well let's just open the prison door shall we ladies and gentlemen let's drag them all out bring out all the prisoners come on you can have a go come on you're only in for running somebody down come on heavens above we've got a bimbo's facing jail for assault last year and now her mum is proud of her it's riveting isn't it and then they and we listen to their pronouncements like anybody gives a toss like anybody cares what what this uh, this bimbo Vicky Pattinson, who's now trying to reinvent herself. I'm not the old slapper you saw on television who got drunk all the time and had sex on live television. Oh, who was that then? Ooh, some sort of thing, shall we? Anybody else on the programme? No. Was it Helen Mirren? No. Dame Judi Dench? No. It was Vicky Nobody Pattinson, who could make a million pounds for being a bimbo. I bet old Yorgie Porter's sick as a parrot. She didn't get any mention at all. She gets no mention here in the paper. Absolutely nothing. No mention. So she's, she's, she's unfortunately relegated to front page of the Daily Star yesterday. That's about as good as it gets for her. Talking about, you know, sex in the jungle and how she sort of, she missed it. And I thought, I bet your parents are thrilled the way you've turned out. I mean, can you imagine? That's my daughter. What's she talking about? She's talking about, you know, world poverty and people dying and, and the dreadful situation we're in. No, no, she's talking about whether she got any sex in the jungle. And you want to throw your hands up to the ceiling, don't you, and go, my God, what an old woofer. What an old woofer. Anyway, uh, a lot of people have complained to Ofcom about the fact that Fern McCann ate a live spider. And it's cruelty to animals. Whichever way you look at it, it's disgusting and shouldn't have been done. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to hold Ant and Deck down, force their mouths open and force witchetty grubs in there and live spiders and then keep their mouth closed so they have to eat it. Let's see if they like it. They're all big and butch, aren't they? Going, oh, here's Fern, she's going to be eating a live spider. No, I tell you what, she'll eat it if you eat it first. Of course they never will, will they? You can't even get Pip Schofield to show his bottom on television. They have to bring in a stunt arse, as they say. 
Perhaps that's the presenting side of it. I don't know. And then Fern, and then Holly Willoughby, who was a dull interview on Chatty Man. God knows that programme has scraped the barrel a few times. And so it was, it was all Fern on there, looking a bit prim and proper. She doesn't seem to be able to dress down, does she? You feel a bit sorry for her. She's always a bit quaffered. And I like her, don't get me wrong, I think she's great. But it's, it's always a bit quaffered, and the dress was just wrong, probably from her own collection, because she's a, a designer, isn't she? Mind you, having seen what poor old Vicky Beckham was wearing at the airport the other day, old lady clothes was the first phrase that came to mind. I've never seen anybody look so ancient. She's wearing clothes that would not look out of place on your grandmother. And she thinks she's supposed to be at the height of fashion. No, she's not. No, she's not. Bert Reynolds uh, turned up on... Um, Loose Women. Oh, it was funny the other day. It was so funny. They stuck Katie Price on there with the voice. Yeah, cos, yeah, cos, like, me and Kieran, you know, we went through a tricky patch. And, and you think, I'm not surprised. I mean, she has to drag everything back to herself. She can only talk about herself because she doesn't know what else is going on in the world. And so they had little Ray Quinn on there. Silly little Ray, who's now discovered the gym, beefed himself up and had his body covered in tattoos. It was just an excuse for the old pervs on the panel to start touching him. And I can use that term quite acceptably, because if you turn it round the other way, and that was a woman sitting there with big bosoms, and there were men on the panel going, oh, let's have a feel of yeah, have a feel of that. There'd be, there'd be outrage. And yet, because the two old dirty ones on the panel, that was Katie Price, as I say, why they bothered inviting her, I can't imagine. There was less makeup on the Boots number 7 counter. And then the other dirty girl, the other side, poor old Colleen, who seems to dribble at the sight of any man. Mind you, we've seen the husband, so I can imagine why she's slightly desperate at her age. Nothing worse is the desperate and fat, and looking a bit ropey, and stinks like an ashtray. Absolutely like an ashtray. Absolutely reeks of it. Really not good at all. So, on to Loose Women goes Bert Reynolds. Bert, 190, and starts talking about Charlie Sheen. Um, he made this uh, comment. He's promoting his autobiography. And um, it, it, they're, they're going to air it today. So, in other words, what, what the PR department of Loose Women have done, they've leaked it so that you'll watch the show. And uh, he says, I feel bad for him, but Charlie, I don't feel bad for him. Uh, because he's getting what he deserves. In other words, uh, they had Ruth and Colleen on there. Uh, of course, Colleen doesn't understand anything that's going on. She, she tries to look for a comedy line in everything, whereas, in fact, the joke is her. That's, that's the whole joke. She just needs to put a mirror in front of herself. And um, so, on Loose Women Today, he's going to be saying that. He's going to be saying... But, in fact, what they could do, because it's a prereq, two of the prereqs during the week on Loose Women, they are pre, pre-recorded shows, and that could be cut out. But in an effort to try and garner more publicity, they'll leave it in. The excuse they will give you is the programme is made to match that time, whereas, in fact, uh, that's lies, blatant lies. You can change it completely. But they put it in there so that you'll watch the programme. I mean, I hope to God that they, they don't have... Um, they say, the audience looked on in shock. Have you seen the audience for Loose Women? Most of them look like they've come out of the mortuary. Seriously, it's like an embalming course. You, you sit there looking at the Loose Women audience and they're, like, staring at you, ah, like that. Most of them are wearing slippers. Seriously, I think they're bust in. I think they're brought in. You know that Des O'Connor's audience was sometimes bust in if they had to do an early interview with a, with a, a Hollywood celebrity. So they sat there in their dressing gown and slippers. I didn't know where they were half the time. Mind you, I've got members of my audience like that, which I quite like. I think that's quite sweet. And, um... And so for Burt Reynolds to be on Loose Women and come up with this claptrap, as I say, it was as dreary as watching Little Miss Boring. Good God, how much makeup is that woman wearing on Sky News? 
Good God in heaven. I mean, do they realise how much they're wearing? They look like Dolly Parton clones. Far too much makeup. Have you noticed all the girls on Sky News? I sit here riveted by it every day. Well, not really riveted. And, and try and work out whether their hair's going to move at all. And after it, it's a bit like their faces. Their faces are going, uh, uh, uh. Why? Because they always look as they've had sort of something injected into themselves. Personality is not the word you're looking for, incidentally. Uh, on the subject of the, uh, the Tarantino screening... Um, Neil has also offered to come along. A little bit of competition here for Will. Uh, he says, Tim, Tim Roth, a West Ham supporter, as is Ray Winston, normally manages to include wearing his striped West Ham scarf in most of the film and the series that he appears in. He was great as the nonconformist English psychoanalyst Doctor in Lie to Me, where he works with the American police, uh, where he can tell where criminals are lying. And, of course, he was the thief in Pulp Fiction. He said, see if you can get me in, see if you can get me in. <laughs> I wish I could, actually. I wish I could. The producer's practically offering money. A little bit desperate, a little bit desperate. But uh, there again. He says, glad you enjoyed Sunday. Lovely, genuine peeps with no agendas. All of who enjoyed his other's company. Yes. I should tell you all about the film because we'll be talking about it on uh, on the interview. And um, this is uh, Mike, poor soul, from Cornwall at the moment. He's in Wales in a place called Bedlingog. I've never even heard of it. it. Sounds lovely though, doesn't it? It always ends in og, doesn't it, in Wales? And he says, uh, "I fall asleep very quickly, then I wake up at three a.m. and then I just turn on LBC, and uh, and that kind of keeps me going a bit, which is what we like to hear. I like to make sure that people enjoy the start of their day because it's so easy, isn't it, to read the newspapers and get a little bit fed up about it, and sort of read some of the stories, and you know, and, and the fact that sort of this old bimbo up from um, from Newcastle or wherever she's from, Geordie Shaw, and." Um, and, and you think, well, it's as if we're, we're talking to somebody who's sort of done some great thing, like saved people's lives. No, she just stood under a shower in the jungle and sort of then sort of dragged out the old mother. Yeah, because I'm so proud of my girl. Yeah, we all are, darling. We're all so thrilled. But we all wish, you know, and the very idea that by standing under a shower, they now go, oh, right, you're now going to be a television presenter. Believe you me. And I speak with much, much experience, far more than anybody else you'll ever hear on the radio. Uh, what you cannot do is make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You can tartar up all you like. Unfortunately, there'll be no television programmes. I'll be remotely interested in having her as a presenter. She's not good enough. She's not good enough. This is different. What she's doing here is not in front of a camera. She's doing it with hidden cameras. So she's doing her own thing. Once the camera is there and they go, OK, come here, Vicky, Vicky... Vicky, oh, get her off. Take the bottle away from her. Vicky, OK, love. Coming to you in three... T- no, ad lib. Three... Vicky, put the bottle down. Oh, God. And that's how it's going to be. I promise you, they, they will probably road test her on something. They can't just put her on a programme. They don't have any programmes just to, to stick her on. And she'll sit there and she'll pose and try and pretend she's a different person. But that accent will get you going. You'll be going, oh, God, no, I couldn't cope with that. We don't want to watch that kind of thing. There's no way you can put her. BBC wouldn't be remotely interested. They're not interested in people like that. They don't even want Melinda Messenger. You know, and if they don't want Melinda Messenger or Katie Price, it only comes down to ITV. So Vicky could go on ITV. She might have done it already, I don't know. And uh, they go, that's great, but that's about as far as it's going, dear. Perhaps she's going to write her autobiography. Riveting. Bimbo from Newcastle wins show for standing under shower in jungle. OK, done it for you. Sorted it out. It's 430 Morning, everybody. It's uh, 26 minutes to five. Tuesday morning, it's the 8th of December. Nick Ferrari this morning, as a Muslim, is thrown off a bus in Bristol because a passenger says they felt uncomfortable. How hard is it to be a Muslim in Britain today? 
Have you ever heard of such? I mean, seriously, when I first heard it, I thought, it's some joke, isn't it, really? What's that? Somebody, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Why? Uh, there's a Muslim over there. I suppose that'd be the same person who complained if there was a black person there, or a gay person, or a Jew, or just about anybody that they didn't uh, think conformed. I've never heard of such a thing. And the worst thing is, the person was actually thrown off the bus. I mean, I'd be suing like there's no tomorrow. I'd have a lawyer there. I'd have that bus company bang to rights. Absolutely. I've never heard of something like that. Because somebody looked, you know, they didn't fit a particular stereotype. And so they get thrown off a bus. Oh, God, I tell you, that's worth thousands, I would have thought. So if somebody looks shifty, do you have the right to complain? Don't come in my studio. I'm looking very shifty this morning. Very shifty. Uh, spending on flood defences will fall. Despite another weather warning for more heavy rain in flood-hit northern Britain. If you look at the pictures, it's heartbreaking. Of course, the worst thing is, you just hope that these people have insurance. But I bet you anything, half of them haven't got insurance. They really haven't. And, of course, after the last lot of flooding, they'll find it very difficult to get insurance. And NHS hospitals clear their staff of blame in almost three-quarters of cases where patient deaths are avoidable. That's Nick and the team from Seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers today, Simon Danjuk. He's back in. He was only in a short while ago. Must have liked him because he's back in again. Uh, in response to somebody called John writing to me. I can't tell you what he's writing about. John, I'll explain it to you very simply. Because you're obviously not aware of it. So that's why I have to explain it to you. That's why I'm sitting here and you're out there. Is that if a case is in court, you cannot talk about it. It's called subjudice. OK, so that's why. I'll explain that to you once, because it's obviously going to go in this here and sort of wander about in the middle somewhere. But that's why. That's why you never talk about cases uh, which are in session, in court. It's called subjudice. OK, you could prejudice a case. So uh, that's why it's not talked about. OK, I don't have to explain that to you again. All right, you should know that. You sound as though you're an adult, fairly ancient, I should imagine. But uh, you should know things like that. And ta -da, ta -da, ta -da, what else have we got here? Oh, the Jeremy Kyle guests, people talking about them, saying, where do they get them from? I don't know. I think I think mainly they, they write in, don't they? Because some of them appear to have been on the programme a few times. But I do not know, actually, um, where they come from. I thought it was just a phone thing. So, in other words, you sort of phone up, a, you know, we're looking for somebody who's cheated on their mother or something like that. And you'll find somebody. So there they sit, the toothless old hags. And they and they sort of and they spill their their life story out to you. And you sometimes sit there, don't you? Thinking to yourself. They're so revolting, these bits. The worst thing is, they don't know they're revolting. You sometimes think they're almost character actors or actresses because you can't believe their stories. So, you know, they've got somebody sitting there saying, you ain't never going to see your child again. Why? Because he's heroin addict and he's dealing in my mum's house and she looks after it and you, and you sit there thinking, are they for real? Are they for real, these people? I think we should hoover them all up, don't you? We should go around with a giant, like a giant sort of waste disposal truck going... <laughs> And just sort of hoover them up and then go and dispose of them somewhere. I don't know where. I can't think of anything off the, off the top of my head. I'm going to uh, Fuerteventura for a week from tomorrow. As it's my partner's 50th, says Alan. I'm a professional insomniac. Fuerteventura. What do we know about Fuerteventura? Not a lot, actually. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I don't think I've ever been there. Fuerteventura. No, no. What, what, what is the appeal of Fuerteventura? Do tell me. Do tell me. I'd love to know things like that. I'd like to know why people go to places. Is it because somebody goes there and somebody says, oh, that's actually really good, and, and, and then you discover when you get there it's a complete dump? I mean, it sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Fuerteventura. It sounds very, very romantic, I think. Very romantic. Uh, a lot of people also offering their services at the Quentin Tarantino screening. Unfortunately, it's not. 
Uh, Pauline says, and I'm a celebrity. I don't really get reality shows. It's just silly people showing off. We did watch an early series of Big Brother when it was a novelty. Life is a bit too short to spend it watching nobodies and has-beens in contrived situations. I did catch this morning there was a repeat of The Apprentice. And they got rid of some woman on there. I can't remember who, who she was. But, I mean, she was vile. I mean, she quite clearly didn't have a clue about anything at all. She, again, just looked like a bimbo. Oh, I'm, very, I'm a leader by the... No, she wasn't at all. She was just arrogant and very thick. And, so, and then Scott Saunders sort of does his sort of, you know, uh, stamps his foot and throws his toys out. And then goes, um, I'm, I'm leaving. And, and Lord Sugar basically says, well, we were going to get rid of you anyway. You're rubbish. And, of course, he was rubbish. He was just a little bit prissy. He obviously thought he was going to walk out and the press were going to be all over him like a rash, as opposed to he's disappeared back to where he came from. They're all just, they're all just peculiars. Not just the people who turn up for the money in the I'm a Celebrity and they go, oh, oh Vic- Vicky Pattinson might get her own reality show. On what, on what grounds? On what gr- We've seen her. Why would you need to see her again? We've seen her once. We've seen her being disgusting. We've seen her drunk. We've seen her getting all her kit off. I mean, dear God. And now we know she used to work in a bar, you know, sort of as a sort of, I don't know what she was, like a pimp kind of thing. All in all, it's a bit tacky. And then they go, and she's going to write an autobiography. You go, listen, I should imagine half of the place she comes from could write an autobiography like that. Some of them probably actually even better and more educated than she is. As if anybody, ca- why would you care? Why would you care? This sort of world of celebrities becoming a bit bit down market. A bit much when you've got to drag your old bag of a mother into it, isn't it? To go, oh, I'm so proud of my little girl. What, for eating bugs and standing under a shower? How can you be proud of her? She's not done anything. She's not saved anybody's life. She's not done nursing. She's not sort of, you know, done some great acts of charity. In fact, she's just done absolutely nothing. And for that, she goes, I'm so proud of her. Which gives you a rough idea how low the uh, the thing was between the two of them before anyway. Dreadful. Uh, Tony says, perhaps ITV will give her a couple of panel slots on the Keith Lemon show. I think that's about her mark. I don't think she can do anything else. She's far too, uh, she's far too simple. Far too simple. I mean, there's no way that you can... But also, they've already filmed all their Christmas shows. So she's not going to be featuring on anything over Christmas unless it's live. And there's very little live on television over Christmas. 90% of it, 95, 96%. It's already filmed. It's already in the can. Has to be. They do not have the, uh, the facility to do live things. There's only a, only a few things that they've actually done which have been live. The rest of it is, uh, is pre-wrecked. So what are you going to do with it? And, of course, by the time you get to next year, we'd already have had... Uh, Another couple of shows. It's like The X Factor. I told you the other day I watched The X Factor. I was horrified at how little talent there was on there. People who really weren't weren't very good at singing. I mean, they were... You thought Louise was amazing? I need to get... I mean, you need to get out more. I mean, it's honestly... But he's, he's basing it all on, on Darth Vader's songbook, you know. When you wish upon a star... It'll be like that, won't it, really? So, it's, I mean, I don't think any of them are any good. You couldn't stick any of them in a West End show. They're just not up to it. They're really not. Uh, the people who appear on Jeremy Carl's show don't write in because they can't read and write. Yes, I think they, they, they call a premium rate phone number. Call me now if you want a lie detector test. Call me now if you want to find out whether that ugly old bag that is your girlfriend... I mean, seriously, some of them, you look at them and you think, you're really going out with that? Are you seriously telling... And then you see them, don't you, pushing the prams down the high street. There they are, phone in one hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kylie, get here. Kylie, come back. They're all... It, it really is. We are full of chavs. Full of chavs. They've got the prams. They've got their rug boots on. They've got their dirty grey tracksuit bottoms. And I don't know what they think they look like. 
I seriously don't know what they think they look like. I mean, because half these people, even with makeup and clever lighting and hair done, you couldn't turn them into anything that looked remotely interesting. Not so good at all. Oh, look, it's a picture of Mylene Class again. Uh, she was wearing, uh, she was wearing glasses. I'm never too sure whether these glasses are real or whether they're fake. You know, people wear them for sort of their, their sort of lovely appearances. I don't really know, actually. Is it selfish of Ronnie Wood, they ask in the papers today, to become a father at 68? Well, blooming miracle, I would have thought. 68, I mean, if he lives for 10 years, he's going to see two 10-year-olds. And then somebody has said, you know, perhaps if he looked after his other kids. So they're obviously sort of trying to sort of draw uh, similarities between the fact that he's got twins now. And if he's, even his ex-wives have said, really, really, probably not. Probably not. But uh, what can you do about it? What can you do about it? I mean, I should imagine the uh, the wife, Sally, what is it you see about the multimillionaire Ronnie Wood, dear, um, must be absolutely delighted. <laughs> Sleepless nights for all of them. Queen Vicky on her hopes of a fresh start. It's a picture of, uh, of little George and Yorgi Porter. Yorgi, who didn't get any publicity on the show, because, you know, once you've seen one bimbo under the shower, you've seen them all. And uh, poor George, who's... Not quite butch enough to kind of make it into the real world of, you know, I want to go out with you. So, of course, you know, he might hold hands with them and put his arms around them. But that's, it's more like a teddy bear kind of thing. Uh, party regulars, Ant and Deck, of course. Lady C, uh, Barking Mad. And uh, Sun Dimmer, the one who thinks that uh, bathrooms shouldn't be in hotel rooms. That's how dim he is. And his, uh, and his mother, well, it's not his mother. He's, uh, he was adopted at an early age. Funny thing, we haven't seen the other brother, have we? Somebody did point out to me they, they, they could be called dim and dimmer. As opposed to dumb and dumber. Anyway, indoors, he's having his picture taken with sunglasses on. What does he do for a living? Wouldn't you like to know? Anyway, as she goes back to that pile she calls her home with the roof that's falling off and they go to try and make it to a wedding venue. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near her. She's a nasty piece of work. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Mr Rumble died. That was uh, Nicholas Smith who played Mr Rumbold in Are You Being Served? I used to see him in Joe Allen's all the time. He would go in there... Um, and he would uh, he would have a drink. Um, <laughs> he used to enjoy going in there for a few drinks with, with, with cast members, although there weren't actually that many cast members left. So he used to go in there all the time with one of my favourite ladies, who was... Um, I, I, I can only sort of describe her as being eccentric. She was very, very eccentric. Pamela Cundell was very, very eccentric. She called everybody darling. Everybody was darling. She was in uh, Big Deal. She was in... Um, uh, she, I think she probably turned up in Are You Being Served. She was in Dad's Army, actually. She was lovely. She was a real showbiz trooper. And her and Nicholas Smith used to sit in there and they'd have a few a few sherbets. Pammy liked her, her drink. She was lovely. Absolutely lovely. So sad to lose him the other day. I wish I could lose a, a sort of a, a semi-friend of mine. Uh, a friend of mine works, works for another radio station in this building. And every day he has fruit. OK, he, he thinks it's part of his five a day. He thinks he thinks that by eating fruit, he's going to be healthy. And of course, he isn't. And then yesterday, he kind of pushed it about as far as he could. And I'll tell you exactly why in a moment. But I have to give you a time check because I know you get panicky. So it's uh, 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Ten to five. So anyway, so I go and see this friend of mine yesterday who works in the building and he has always a little bowl of fruit. I say little bowl of fruit. It tends to be the stuff that's on the, the cheap shelf. You know, we've reduced it in price because it's just about to go off. And so yesterday he had some strawberries and, and what did he have? Some grapes. He said the strawberries came from Jordan. 
I thought, perhaps she's growing them in her back garden. I don't know. Anyway, so, so he said, do you want... So, anyway, so I, I had a couple of strawberries and two grapes. Well, you'd thought I'd taken the entire bowl. Seriously. You've never seen such a tantrum in your entire life. I mean, really, I felt embarrassed for him. I felt like saying, would you like me to give you the money for these? I mean, really, two strawberries and three grapes. And he just sent me a text in a moment ago saying, keep off my fruit today. So I've written a very rude word back to him, basically saying, I wouldn't touch your fruit with a barge pole. I've got my own. I bought a whole bag of uh, a beautiful, actually, and very sweet uh, little Satsuma type things. I think there could be tangerines. I don't know. I'm, I always get confused with what these things are. There could be anything, really. But uh, very nice they are, too. So I, I thought, no, because he'll only moan. You touch his fruit. I wouldn't mind, but perhaps he hasn't got any money. Talking to people having no money, and here's the best link you'll ever hear. Little Lauren Murray. Lauren Murray uh, is in The X Factor, and apparently times are so hard. Listen to this. If you want to read pathetic story from The X Factor, she can't come up with anything at all that she thought that making it to the semi-finals would help pay the bills. Why? Why would you think that, dear? Are you particularly dumb? Why would you think getting to the semi-finals would be paying your bills? Anyway, she can't even afford... To buy a pair of knickers. That's how desperately sad her, her story is, ladies and gentlemen. Well, to be honest with you, let's hope it gets worse. I can't think... What a dumb story. She gave up her job as a dentist receptionist. Go oh, blimey. So that she could take part in the talent show. And she says that she, she thought she's, she, she could get by on the meagre expenses allowance. She told the 3am column, because she's got nothing else to flog apart from she drones on about how ungrateful she is. I haven't been earning anything for two months. You're given an allowance, but it's not much. It's pocket money, like my granddad would give me. It's less than £50 a week. Your granddad would give you 50 quid a week, you lazy little so-and-so. 50 quid a week? Then you call that pocket money, do you? What blooming world are you in, Lauren? What world are you living in, sweet pea? Anyway, she got to number nine in the iTunes chart, but the singer insists all the proceeds go to X Factor. Well, of course they do. But why, you didn't write the song? X Factor's given you that thing. That th- what are you, dumb? Unbelievable. She says, I don't get money for the song I sang on the show going on iTunes. Well, why would you? It's not your song. Why would you? She really is stupid. 26. Normally, dentist reception, although Jade Goody was a dentist receptionist, perhaps she's fitted into that category. But then sort of saying that on £50 a week, less than £50 a week, she can't even afford to buy a pair of knickers. Oh, diddums. We all feel for you, dear. All feel for you. But uh, never mind your act, so uh, perhaps you'll you'll disappear off. And uh, I think she said in one of the other papers... Uh, I'm not going to go back on television again. There is a God. There is a God. Thank you, God, very much indeed. And so uh, she says here, uh, an X Factor source said, while in the competition, all of the contestants receive a substance payment covering incidental expenses and payments contributing towards regularly fixed outgoings, which they're continually committed to pay, each as mortgage or rent costs. She actually will get royalties at a rate which is the same for new Sony music artists. Once everything is calculated, she'll get a statement. She'll also earn when she takes part in the tour. Oh, she'll have no knickers to wear. She's earning less than 50 quid a week. I'll be booing her to start with. Lauren, boo! Boo! Honestly, they're so ungrateful, these people. You give them the opportunity of a lifetime. What do they do? They turn around and bite the hand. You know, it's dreadful. Oh, blimey. And uh, Vicky only won due to her Geordie Shaw fan base. Much like when Charlotte won Big Brother. There's a fan base for that kind of trash. Oh, well, there you go. Hope for all of us. It's when they drag the mother out, isn't it? 
which is uh, agree. I do agree with you, Steve, about the people who go on the Jeremy Kyle show. Very, very occasionally does help the odd person to take a huge decision about letting go of somebody. Yeah, I mean, I just don't... Uh, I mean, I'm not remotely interested. Jeremy Kyle can't even hold his own relationship together. What hope? What hope? And uh, I reckon you'd like Fuerteventura, Steve. It's one of the Canary Islands. I know you weren't impressed with Lanza Grotti or Tenerife. I'm staying at the Hotel Barcelo uh, at a place called Calate de Fuste. I have a butcher's on the computer. Nice, peaceful resort. Lovely beach and lots of nice restaurants and bars. And the weather at the moment would suit you in the early 70s, says Alan. Is that the age of the people going there, the early 70s? <laughs> I quite like that. And um, another one here. A lot of people talk about the, the fan base for Geordie Shaw. Really? For that tat? There's actually a fan base. Is it? How worrying. How very worrying. I don't, I don't like that idea. I like to think there'd be a fan base, mainly for something like Blue Peter. Certainly not for the one show. Oh, ghastly. Ghastly, ghastly. And uh, another one here. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Stan says, you're so right about the lack of singing talent on The X Factor. Uh, there's not one who you'd recognise without seeing. Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Dean Martin, Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey, Ella Fitzgerald, Cilla Black, all immediately recognisable. Food for thought, says Stan. Oh, you're right. I mean, she's moaning. You know, I, my granddad used to give me more pocket money. Have you ever heard of grandparents giving nearly 50 quid a week pocket money? What an ungrateful little madam she turns out to be. I'm glad she was kicked off. But she's going on the tour and she'll pick up some money for that. And uh, and then, you know, it'll it'll fizzle out. They're not going to do recordings with these people. Why would they? You know, it costs money to put people in a recording studio. Why would you want to put people in there? It's just, it's just not worth it. Not worth it. And uh, another one here says here, um, you defend Muslims' right to travel on buses. No, 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 you, you, mis- you misunderstood, Damien. You misunderstood. The, the whole argument about people travelling on buses was, if you don't like the look of somebody, you can go, I don't like the look of them. And in Bristol, the bus driver would say, you off the bus. Doesn't matter whether it's a Muslim, Chinese, gay, you, could be anybody. You might turn up here, we might look at you and go, don't like the look of you, get him off the bus. I don't feel comfortable. Get Damien in Singapore off the bus. And the bus driver stops the bus and says, you off that's it. And yet I do advocate giant hoovers to cleanse the world of chavs. But of course, being in Singapore, they do throw people in prison, don't they, for, for sort of dropping chewing gum. So that's the, that's the place you're coming from. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, another one here, which is from, 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 on the subject of Helen Mirren. I agree, says Mark. She's been overexposed. I don't want to see Adele or Rob Brydon. Oh, I like Rob Brydon and Adele too, but not Helen Mirren. A bit bored. The old woman drags herself out yet again, and we all go, "Oh God, it's Helen Mirren again." Helen Mirren. Apparently, says Mark Fuerteventura, is very windy. Not a lot else to say about it, really. <laughs> That's what we like. We like a windy place. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. This is the, incidentally, I forgot to mention it again this morning. I'm so sorry. I, sh- I should mention it. That, uh, again, we are the most listened to programme from four o'clock in the morning. The spike is enormous. Most people in the English-speaking world are listening to this programme. And the reason is because it makes sense. Even stupid people listen to this. You know, people with no friends, people who've got nobody to write to. They feel that they're sort of, they want to be a part of it. But, of course, they're not really. They just, they like to think they are, which is quite funny. Somebody wrote to me, actually, was it the other day, we were talking about Vicky Pattinson, going, she's trying to make something of herself. I think she's achieved it. I think she's achieved it. <laughs> she's absolutely achieved it. Uh, and Karen says, you're my favourite. Just saying, just saying. 
It's what it should be at this time of the morning, shouldn't it, really? That's the way it works. Let's face it, it, it bears it up in the audience figures. That's why... Off to the bank again next year with uh, with another contract, so everybody should be very happy about that. And uh, let's hope we get some decent weather. I'm not sure if I want um, snow over Christmas or if I want rain. And then I thought, no, I'd, I don't mind a little bit of snow. A bit of snow Christmas Eve would suit me fine. That I'd be very, very happy with. I'd be very, very happy with a bit of snow on Christmas Eve. And then it's a little bit. And then when you drive down the motorway, which I'll be doing Christmas Day, you can look at all the fields covered in snow. And that would suit me fine. But now I've got more presents this year than I've ever had. I'm going to have in the family the most presents. Because after the, uh, the lunch we had the other day with 20 people, I've got an extra 20 presents. And I've only ever, I've only ever opened one. I've only opened one of them, which is brilliant. And... Um, and it's uh, it's a dancing Christmas tree. But it's the funniest dancing Christmas tree you have ever seen. Ever seen. Uh, my friend Ryan has just got back from a gig at this time of the morning. Small, honestly, you cannot. I'm waiting for the morning. Normally I get a morning picture from Ryan because he sort of staggers back in for a gig. And before he has tea and a piece of toast, he, he normally sends me a picture. Just so I... Just... Have you heard about... <laughs> heard about... <laughs> Oh, did you go out drinking with John? Oh, right. OK. So there you go, Ryan. So we're expecting the picture. OK, it's it's de rigueur. It has to be. Otherwise, we don't know it's you, you see. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning. It's Tuesday, the 8th of December. Are you well? Are you good? Are you sorted out for Christmas? I do hope so. Helen Mirren out again. Oh, yawn, it's becoming tedious. Thousands more facing this flood hell. This really is hell for a lot of these people, and Christmas will be a very, very miserable time. Uh, the girl, age 12, abandoned by Prince Harry's charity. Yes, we're going to do this for a... Yes, we're going to do that. Nothing. Nothing. I'll tell you the sad story. Very sad. Don't argue with your neighbours. Neighbours get very funny. This has cost this young lady dear. Uh, cancer therapy doubles dementia risk and David Hasselhoff admits he's broke. He says, you know, I earn a lot of money, but it goes out to ex-wives and kids and everything else. So um, just be warned, don't have hanger honours. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, 8th of December. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's nice to have your company. You join the rest of the world every morning as we put it all to rights. The Tatlatory, who would now be enjoying cocktails with the Prime Minister at Chequers. Did you hear the interview with Ian Dale yesterday? My God, what a web of intrigue is going on within the Tory party. Uh, Greville Janna will never face trial. The couple arguing over who found the treasure trove. Aspirational Britain. Half of us say we're middle class. Apparently it's geared down to how much you earn and what music you listen to. Uh, the toy bomb man held at the airport. And the storm revives a cascade after centuries of silence. All of that, your texts and emails between now and 6.30 this morning. We have a free podcast for you as well, which is uh, every day. All you have to do is go to the LBC website. You can download the LBC app. That means that every day we send you the free podcast. It doesn't cost one penny piece. The app is absolutely free as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Uh, bearing in mind, somebody else monitors it. So if it's remotely stupid or you're a bit thick, unfortunately you get blocked. 
In fact, I've seen actually one from Ian Dale who wrote to somebody the other day say, would you mind unfollowing me? I don't want to be followed by a racist and then he used a very rude word, which uh, I was all in favour of. Uh, the riddle of the billion pound sank Jose. This is the Spanish ship uh, which they found. A billion pounds, they reckon, is on it. Oh, so exciting. I can remember getting uh, China from the Texing years ago. It was a Spanish... Sorry, it was a, a Chinese boat that sank with all this porcelain on it. And uh, they, they found it, located it, and started bringing it up. And it was amazing. So I've got... I bought about six, eight pieces of this Texing. And uh, it was sold at an auction in Amsterdam. And it was, it was not cheap. I, I didn't buy it really as an investment. I bought it because I thought it had been lying at the bottom of the sea. And, and it was Chinese porcelain. And I just wanted bits of it, so I bought bowls and all sorts of things. Lovely, absolutely lovely. If I had my time again, I'd probably buy even more of it. Um, the telly star, Nicholas Smith, he plays Mr Rumbold in Are You Being Served? Last surviving member of the original cast has uh, died. 81, I used to see him in Joe Allen's all the time. Uh, and the other one is the gun-loving politician and a bizarre Christmas card. In America, and it is traditional in America for them to do it, you have a picture taken of the family, either around the Christmas tree going, greetings from the Allen tribe or whatever it happens to be, and, uh, and then you send it off to people. In this particular family's case, they're all holding guns. Seriously, all holding guns. I remember when a friend of mine, uh, Robbie, went over to America, married um, an American girl. They had uh, kids and everything else. And... Um, and his first Christmas card back to us was of him sitting around the Christmas tree with the family. It's, it's a very traditional thing. But this one you'll see in the papers today. Very odd. The Military Wives Choir are recording a song to remember the forgotten heroes. And so that's quite nice. Uh, and the arguing uh, with your neighbours is a, is a story that really should be the advice for just about everybody out there. That once you start arguing with your neighbours and it gets into the court situation... It can cost you dearly. In this particular case, this was over uh, 15 inches of land. That's all it was over. 15 inches of land. Which, you know, people sort of sit and they say, actually, that's my land. This is my, you know, access into here and all the rest of it. And somebody else goes, no, it isn't. And then they start arguing and then they go to court. And then inevitably, somebody is actually going to lose in the court. And once that person loses, the judge can they say, well, you will pick up the costs of the other person. And in the case of this particular lady, she's picked up court costs of about £50,000. She doesn't have £50,000. She's a teacher, so you can imagine she doesn't. Her name is Carol Ann Green. And uh, this dispute was over, as I say, 15 inches of land. It was nothing at all. Uh, her appeal against the... 39-page lawyer's bill was dismissed this week after a judge ruled she'd not submitted it in time. It followed a decision in 2012 that a fence she put up alongside an access lane to her home trespassed onto land owned by Doreen and Victor Elliott. The trouble began when Mrs Green built a holiday home in her garden in Mulvern, next door to the Elliott's 18th century manor where author Barbara Cartland grew up. Worcester County Court was told that following a series of rows over the access lane, the special needs teacher, 58, put up the substantial fence. Judge Daniel Pierce Higgins ruled in 2012 it encroached on the Elliot's land by 15 inches and ordered Mrs Green to pay them nearly £3,000 in damages. He said 
The case was largely unnecessary and could have been resolved by a modicum of common sense and a small amount of goodwill. But Mrs Green has since been fighting the massive legal cost bill that she was handed. She told the Court of Appeal in London a £50,000 cost bill for a compensation claim of 2000 is not proportionate and not reasonable. It's blatant theft and profiteering. But the Lord Justice Jackson says, I understand her grievance about the bill of costs, but she did not comply with the rules and lodge complaints within the proper time. You see, she thought she was being clever. But unfortunately for her, the courts are a lot cleverer. So, you know, she might be a teacher. That doesn't mean anything at all. In a case like this, she thought she could push it and push it and push it. He said at this late stage, there is nothing I can do about it. Outside the court, Mrs Green... Uh, said her neighbours had been granted a charging order over her home that could force her to sell up. Well, good. Good. (laughs) A bit of common sense on this one, Mrs Green, might have been, you know, more useful for you. But you decided to push it. You encroached on their land. You lost first time round. You didn't follow through. You ignored all the advice of the courts and you paid the price of it. So more fool you, I'm afraid. She says this lawyer's bill is going to kill me. It's wiped out 40 years of full-time work. I'll be 60 next year, and I've got no savings. Well, that's your problem. That's not our problem. That's your problem. You took part of their... I mean, do you not understand this, Mrs Green? You took part of their land. They go to court. The judge rules in their favour because you put this fence up. Fifteen. It doesn't matter whether it's 15 inches or 5 inches or a foot. It makes no difference. You lost the case. Unfortunately, because you didn't follow through with the time limits on all the documentation, you've got this bill of £50,000. She said here, uh, I don't know what to do. I've had all this because people worried about development at the bottom of their garden. It just beggars belief. Well, there you go. Beggar belief as it goes. £50,000. Pay it or sell your home. You know, if you own your home, you'll have to sell it. You have to start again. Believe you me, there's, what about all these poor people who've lost their homes? Because A, they weren't insured. And secondly, they weren't expecting to be flooded out yet again. Some for the third time. So really, what you did, you broke the law. You were found guilty of breaking the law. You didn't follow through. You didn't comply with the rules and lodge complaints within the proper time. That's your fault. That's your fault for not being intelligent enough to know. You're dealing with the law here. You've taken it further. You've taken it up to the Court of Appeal. And they've, uh, and they've rejected it. So, uh, you know, you will have to sell your house. But that's the price you pay. If you were only renting, they couldn't get anything. You'd have to make yourself bankrupt. Which I suppose technically you probably still could do now. But not whilst you've got a house. So, you know, you have a house. You have to sell it. You'll have to downsize, buy a flat. I don't know. That's not our problem. And it's no good complaining about it because you were the one who broke the law. It's the same for anybody listening. Exactly the same for anybody else listening. If somebody encroaches on your property and starts putting up fences and you go, can you take that down? And they go, no. And you go, well, we'll take it to court. Well, take it to court. So they did. And she lost and she's still drivelling on about it. God, dear. Mick says, I'd rather have my fingernails ripped off than watch Geordie Shaw. I only ever watched a little tiny bit of it. And to be honest with you, I've seen, you know, drunks before. Not very exciting. Not very exciting. And um, another one here. And uh, it says, I watched a little of David Attenborough doing the hunted thing. I loved it. I love the hunted programme. I thought it was so clever. We sit there, don't we, with mock fascination watching the hunting. But of course, they, they can't they can't actually do anything on the programme to stop it. They're not allowed to interfere with nature. So if they see a wildebeest that's about to be consumed by a pack of lions, they just film it. They can't do anything about it. 
Yeah. Somebody said to me, you obviously enjoy all these sort of attacks on animals. I do on those sort of programmes, yes. Unnecessary attacks, you know, if you're particularly stupid. You know, like people gluing together that cat's eyelids the other day. People setting fire to that little dog and breaking its neck. That's the sort of people that, you know, I think should be thrown into prison. Absolutely. Uh, John Lennon was murdered, was it 35 years ago, says Graham? Was it really 35? I didn't think it was that long ago. I suppose it could be, actually. Uh, Lauren Murray could hardly sing for crying in the sing-off on the X Factor show. I think she was convinced she was going to win, says Malcolm. Well, there you go, you see. But that's it. It's a competition, isn't it? It's a competition. Terry says Enya's on tour this week. Yes, uh, she's, uh, she's worked out that they can, with multi-tracking and uh, with all the synthesizer stuff, they can reproduce the sound that you get on the album. So she'll be able to reproduce Orinoco flow and stuff like that. And all of her stuff, because it's all multi-tracked. 99% of Enya's stuff is multi-tracked. Very clever. I love Enya. I bought a whole load of of Enya's uh, stuff. Uh, Another one here. Uh, This says, um, uh, it'd be great to see you on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. What on earth for? I don't need the money. And uh, I'm not desperate. And I've said before, they could offer a million. I wouldn't be remotely in. Why would you be interested in that? And going out eating witchetty grubs. I mean, how desperate do you think I sound? Absolutely not. You quite clearly, if, if you're that daft, you think I'm seriously going to be going on that, you know, then you quite clearly don't know me at all. Kelly's in Ghana at the moment. Good. That's what we like to hear. And um, I'd be interested to know how you liked your new shower head. Says Stan. Well, over the years, Stan, I've had many, many shower heads. And he's the same. He's bought many different ones. Some were useless. Same applies to shower pumps. You see, the one thing I don't have, mine just works on the pressure. On the pressure. We've got really good pressure. So uh, it works very well for me. I wouldn't... uh, I've tried different shower heads. This one was quite expensive, I thought. Uh, I think it was about £69. I know you can get them much cheaper. All I really want is something that sort of drenches me. And this drenches. But I don't have any... Any sort of worries about pressure. Some people go, look, it just dribbles out and you go, oh, well, that's a shame. But we, we have good, good pressure. So I, c- I couldn't recommend any shower heads because they're all different, depending on what your shower pressure is and whether you've got an electric pump or whether you haven't. But I can tell you one thing, Stan. It's quarter past five. I'm not sure I can quite come to terms with Nick Ferrari ovulating, but there you go. It's the best we can manage at this time. 5.20 is the time. And uh, with Nick at breakfast, as a Muslim is thrown off a bus in Bristol because a passenger says they felt uncomfortable, how hard is it to be a Muslim in Britain today? And if somebody looks shifty, do you have the right to complain? I mean, some people have got naturally shifty faces, haven't they? You could literally pick on anybody. You can go, I don't like the look of that person. In Bristol, in London, they'd be going, oh, shut up, grow up. Spending on flood defences will fall... Despite another weather warning for more heavy rain and flood hit northern Britain, an NHS hospitals clear their staff of blame in almost three quarters of cases where patient deaths are avoidable. That's Nick and the team from Seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Back again. It's only been away for about a couple of weeks. Simon Danjak MP, Rochdale MP, uh, prize winner, campaigner of the year, co-author of Smile for the Camera, The Double Life of Cyril Smith, and married at one time to that ghastly old baggage, Karen, the uh, attention-seeking Karen. Not really a lot going on there, is there? Uh, Poor old Melvin doesn't quite understand 
exactly how how television talent shows operate. And I don't really have the time or the inclination, actually, Melvin, to try and explain to you. You're obviously fairly old, and perhaps you don't understand that Simon Cowell owns the programme, and the whole idea is that uh, his company, Psycho, invests time and money in people. If they can't sing and they get kicked off, well, that's kind of tough, isn't it, really? They're very lucky to actually get any sort of money at all. You go to talent shows in any other place and get the television exposure that these people get, they should be paying him! Absolutely. What a shame. I mean, it is a shame you don't understand it, but there you go. But he's doing it. It's a business. And that's why it's made him 350 million. And this poor creature who can't even afford to buy knickers because she's only on 50 pounds a week. I mean, how dumb to actually give up a job as a dentist's assistant to go on to a television programme where quite clearly she's not the best. That's why they've kicked her off. So, you know, back to the drawing board. In fact, you better go and beg for your job back again. That would make uh, make far more sense, wasn't it? Yes, 35 years, says Noreen, since we lost John Lennon. I wonder if he'd still be singing and writing now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting. Like you, I'd no sooner go into the jungle and eat insects, walk across a rope bridge, than I would hang glide. Not in a million years. No, I mean, me neither. I can't think, you know, unless you're really, really desperate for the money, which I assume most of them are. We certainly know old Georgina What's-Her-Face is, uh, is desperate for the money. She needs the roof doing. She doesn't appear to have an income. And uh, perhaps you could send the kids out to work. That'd be quite a good one, actually. I, I quite like that idea. And um, as I say, that's all it is. It's a, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle for people to try and relaunch a career, or in the case of the ghastly Vicky Pattinson, to try and reinvent herself and try and pretend that she wasn't the ghastly person from Geordie Shore and just anything else. Uh, Holly Woodlawn died. You remember Holly Woodlawn? You know, Holly came from Miami, uh, FLA, was it? Hitchhike away across the USA. It was Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Holly Woodlawn was a, a transgender uh, before the news. Changed her, shaved her legs, and then she was a she and says, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. And she died the other day. I think she got, uh, I think she got cancer. She was only 69. There'll probably be a memorial service. Uh, one of those people who was in, I think she was in the film Trash with Joe D'Alessandro and loads of other people. Uh, so that was sad. I read that the other day, actually. I read that the other day, which I thought was, uh, was a little bit sad. I never knew what, what she looked like. I was just sort of interested uh, in, in the fact that she became famous in a song. Be like being lovely Rita Meter Maid, wouldn't it? Life on Earth was the first programme I watched on our first colour TV as a child. David is a national treasure, says Paul. Oh, he's always been a national treasure. They've issued um, a red alert in Beijing for smog. For smog, honestly. It's all gone mad around the world, hasn't it? And um, Paul says, I, I, I'm working class. And you see, I, d- I don't know. You know, I mean, whether or not there is such a thing as working class nowadays. We're all working class because we work. Unless you have independent means, we're working class, aren't we? Obviously not in the, uh, in the say, you know, James O'Brien sort of gets sort of a little bit passionate about. He thinks he's middle class. Whereas, in fact, he dresses working class. Uh, but, he's, he, but he sort of, he likes the finer things in life. So his, his sort of politics don't quite match what he actually does. But it's sort of, it, it never let it spoil a good story. But, uh, you know, we're all working class. I don't have an independent means of funding myself, so I work for a living. I'm working class. My, my parents were working class. I mean, quite clearly, you know, they weren't down the mines and stuff like that. But I don't know what people's definition of working class is. I'm assuming, because I'm sitting here, I think I'm probably in a middle class job. I think I'm probably in a middle class job. This wouldn't be a working class. There have been people... Oh, the producer thinks I'm definitely middle class. Now, why would you think I would be middle class? I have to work for a living... You know, 
where I live makes me middle. What Twickenham makes me middle class. I own my own property. Where I shop, Marks and Spencers. Okay, that makes me middle class. Does that make me middle class? My car makes me middle class. Oh, I don't know. I know lots of scrap divas. <laughs> I think I'm very poor working class. I come from humble beginnings, don't you know? <laughs> I've worked my way down in my career. <laughs> I certainly didn't work my way up. I think, actually, my, my parents, my, my father going into the forces, I think took us up a notch. I think took us up a notch. That's what people did. So, in other words, he was sort of, he was, you know, not terribly high up within the forces, but, I mean, he had a very, very good job, and we always lived reasonably well. You know, we didn't sort of, uh, we didn't sort of, we, I don't think we ever suffered. I don't think we ever suffered. That's why, when you have this silly girl from the X Factor going, I can't even afford to buy a pair of knickers, you think to yourself, oh, God, give it up now, for goodness sake. Nobody's interested. You're either going in for a job of sort of, you know, telling people about that aspect of your life, or you're going in for a singing job. And quite clearly, the singing's not worked out, so she's got to come up with any old claptrap. Paul Cooper uh, says, I'm up at working class. You see, now, now, interestingly enough, now, Paul would be working class because he gets up in the morning to go and get his stock. But would the people at Cheney's at West International, would they be working class? Would they be working class? I mean, is, is working class big... Fa- I don't know what working class definition is. I, really, I mean, I really don't. Because it's been discussed on LBC for so many years now. I've got confused myself. I think, truthfully, I come from a working class family. You know, we weren't poor. My parents did own a property. Uh, and my father did have some businesses at one time. And, um, and I was always working class. I had to work for a living. You know, we, I couldn't sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. I had to get out there and earn some money, which was quite nice. Now I think I'm doing a job, and have been doing it for some time, which would be classed as probably middle class. Probably not as middle class as somebody who's, say, a financial journalist or a political journalist. You know, somebody like that. Although it's very interesting. I, I meet loads of people. They say, oh, I've got lots of, um, lots of qualifications. And I always proudly say I've got no qualifications at all. Because in my day, you could leave school uh, at 15. I think I was about the last batch of people who could leave at 15. So I left without taking any qualifications. And to be quite honest, you know, if people say, well, what, what, have, what have you actually got? I go, well, I'm probably earning more than you are. But I'm still working class. I'm still, you know, I'm still somebody who has had had the life education, which you get in this business. When you're in a speech radio situation, you're surrounded by the newspapers and the media and the journalists and everything else. You just you learn things you pick up very quickly. That's why I was talking to somebody the other day who was um, 20s. And I said, I don't think you'd ever get a job on LBC, even though they're in the business. They said, why? I said, because you need the experience of life. To be on a station like LBC, you've got to be able to converse on many, many different levels. You've got to be able to talk about things and try and make people believe that you know what you're talking about. And the, and the proof of that is in how long you can manage to sustain a job. That, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's, uh, it's once you've actually got a job, it's far more difficult nowadays to hang on to it. But still in the same class, I think middle class. I'm certainly not upper class. I'm certainly not upper class. I don't, I don't come from a titled family. We don't have lots of money and family silver sitting in vaults, and we don't have a family vault in the church. So that would make me probably middle class job. Uh, my brother, I think, would be probably middle class job. He works for a building society. Middle class producer would be middle class because he can afford to get married and he can afford to follow Star Wars. But, of course, unlike me, he's not going to see the Quentin Tarantino film. So they go, that makes me middle class. Although he knows more about Quentin Tarantino than I know. So that everybody's got different things that, that, that they bring to the table, haven't they? Whereas you get to The Apprentice. God, I can move about on this programme. And you get to The Apprentice and you know that they're bluffing. I can spot them a mile off. People who just come up with claptrap, they'll sort of sit there and give you loads of all this. And they're actually saying nothing at the end of it. 
I told you the other day, somebody said to me, uh, who's a radio presenter for another radio uh, station in this country, and he said, what happens if you dry up? I said, I've never dried up in my life. I said, I'm, I'm programmed not to dry up. I can always think of something to say, even if it's, oh, I've just dried up for the first time ever. I said, but I can get ten minutes out of that. I can get ten minutes talking about why I've never dried up. And then by the time I've done that, my mind has clicked into something else. And then I can talk about Nelson's flag and bring that up to you and penny-pinching MPs and, and loads of other stories in the papers. Mainly because I've remembered them. But I must bring you the story about Nelson's flag. Because this is very interesting. It's being sold. And the price... I think it's quite reasonable for what it is. Quite reasonable. Time now, though, is 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Somebody said to me, you're uneducated, you left school at 15, therefore you can't be middle class. Better earning more than you. <laughs> I always say that to people. I've just, I've just nearly had a heart attack. I've just looked at my, uh, my accountant, very kindly has sent in my, uh, my tax return, which we do electronically. Everything's electronic nowadays. Everything's electronic. We don't do anything. In, and I'm, I get confused. I, th- I thought I could never pay any bills like VAT or stuff like that without actually seeing you know, a piece of proper paper. They would send you a piece of paper and then you, you fill it out and you send paper back to them. Now it's all done on the computer and I sit there and the VAT, for me, as you know, has always been the nightmare. It's not complicated, I promise you. It's so simple. Uh, but I sort of do it. And sometimes I'm faffing around adding up the numbers. I've got my little... Got my pe- I've got to make sure I've got everything there. The bits of paper, the, uh, the bits of paper I can write on, and my uh, calculator. And I, and I write it all down on there. And I worry about sometimes the computer switches off. And I think, oh, no, I've got to start all over again. I've got to put in all these codes. BZ42163... Alan, oh God, it goes on, it really does. We don't need it at Christmas, do we? We really do not need it at Christmas. We want something nice and easy. But uh, still sympathies, still sympathies for these people who are in the papers today who've been flooded out. I mean, it's just absolutely dreadful because they've been flooded out once. Uh, Some of them, it's about their third or fourth time that they've been flooded. And with the water, if it was just water coming in, it would be fine. But it's sludge and mud and everything. So all your electricity goes, the power goes off. So you're sitting there in the dark. You've had, if you're lucky enough to have a house, you move the stuff upstairs. Get, but I mean, how much stuff can you move upstairs? You're going to be left with, you've got to dry the place out. If you don't have the insurance, that's going to be the biggest problem, isn't it? And that, I think, would be, that would be there for a lot of people. A lot of people going, insure, have you seen how much the insurance is? But unfortunately, if you live on these floodplains, you've, you've got to have it in place. But after the last couple of times, they're probably not so keen to insure people now. And that's the, and that's the big problem, isn't it? So that's where we, we spare a thought for all those people up north who are suffering quite badly up in Keswick and places like that, where they've really suffered. And, uh, and Christmas for them is not going to be a barrel of laughs, because it's literally, it's only around the corner. We're up to the 8th of December already. Here's, here's the Nelson's flag story. This is uh, a Union flag flown at the Battle of Trafalgar. It's being sold to help fix a leaky roof. This giant flag... I mean, it, it's, to me, it's, it's got history stamped all over it. Peppered with holes from musket balls is one of just three from 1805. That was when the battle was. Known to exist, and it could fetch a quarter of a million. It's 14 feet by seven. It flew from the 74-gun HMS Leviathan on Lord Nelson's orders to help prevent friendly fire. After the victory, which resulted in Nelson's death, the flag ended up with King William IV. In the 1830s, he gifted it to Lieutenant Nicholas Corey on the Royal Yacht 
George, as a thank you for helping his vessel beat another yacht in a race to win a bet. Descendant Arthur Corey, who lives in the family's castle, Penlyn in Glamorgan, says, uh, It's always sad to sell, but we have a roof problem. The flag will be sold next year by Holtz of Norfolk. I mean, it could go higher. It could go higher. I mean, you know, £250,000. Only one of three known to exist from the battle in 1805. And so they've got it, but they've, as within all these places, look at it, poor old um, Georgina What's-Her-Face, who went into the jungle thing. She had to go into the jungle because she needs to repair the roof and she hasn't got any money. Big surprise there. Imagine the royalties for her book dried up years ago. But uh, so they're having to sell it. Sad to sell. Having this, this flag and having a roof that needed repairing really means that they have to sell it. They don't want to sell it. It's like having the family silver. Any of these people with big houses... They can't, they can't sell the big house because nobody's going to take it on with the repairs. Like Wentworth Woodhouse, which I told you the other day, was bought by a Hong Kong consortium. And they, they decided against it. They'd already, they'd already bid for the thing and they'd actually got it. Uh, but because of the Manny Shinwell interfering, nasty little piece of work, underneath and digging underneath the house to get out substandard coal, uh, they decided it was too much of a risk. As opposed to just bringing in... Tens of tonnes of concrete to shore the house up underneath. Just literally pour concrete into it, you know, to make sure the house doesn't fall down. It's a super... Manny Shinwell, of course, was uh, one of those champagne socialists. Tried to pretend he was working class, but of course he was, he was no such thing. But the story is, uh, is well worth checking out. It's a very, very interesting story. Uh, Tony says, in the 50s and 60s, working class and upper class, distinguishing wealth or not, middle class was created to envy the rich... I think it's it's still going. Uh, Ian says, uh, maybe contestants should read the entry conditions for the X Factor. It's all clear and above board to anybody with half a brain cell. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. It's all written down there. If they're stupid enough not to read it, that's their problem. That is their problem. And, uh, and they do. Remember Steve? Kerry Katona tried to reinvent herself when I'm a celebrity, which she won. Take heed, Vicky Pattinson. Some people are a lost cause. Yes, I mean, poor old Kerry Katona. I mean, she can't do anything now. She has to almost practically have children to try and make a living. Nobody's interested. She's so, she's so last ten years ago. Nobody's interested. That's why it's, it's, and it's now getting really, really desperate. Even for Jordan, for Katie Price. She doesn't have anything. There's nothing going on at all in her life. She just sits there twiddling her thumbs. And so they gave her loose women. I mean, she sat there. At one point, I thought she'd gone to sleep. They, they were all sitting there chatting away. And because she does, she's not intelligent enough to join in with the conversation, she couldn't say anything. Couldn't say anything. Dreadful. Uh, I bought one, uh, the other half, one of those Debenhams £50 gift sets the other day, uh, says, uh, says Freddie. You, you, you buy perfume, and then I think for 54 quid you get this lovely Estee Lauder gift box. All the, they all do it. Other gift boxes are available. And they do them in all the perfume manufacturers. It's an incentive. But this, this one from Estee Lauder is actually quite good. And so I bought two bottles of perfume to make sure that, uh, that we got two gift boxes. <laughs> so it solves Christmas presents. Really does solve Christmas presents, which is great. Still, uh, still confused. I love the idea that because I'm uneducated, I can't be middle class. But uh, actually, as I say, I mean, you know, I'm not uneducated. I'm educated in life. I'm educated in the school of life. You know, I've had lots of experience. I can talk about, you know, life and death. And I could, I could talk just about on anything. If somebody tested me, I could talk about on anything, as indeed could any other presenter on LBC. The one thing you must do, though, yesterday, because I heard it, and I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, 
is listen to Ian Dale's programme yesterday. I wish I could tell you the exact time. Listen to the whole thing. It's so much easier. And um, it's, it's, it's a case of they're trying to find out what's gone on in Tory Tatler. It's very intriguing. Some heads are going to roll. More than Grant Chaps' head. It's definitely going to gonna, gonna sort of change. Grew up working class, worked in advertising, now middle class, says Patrick. Yeah, I would think advertising would be working class. It doesn't matter whether you've got people get, oh, I, you know, because I'm like this, ducking and diving and all the rest of it. You know, I wonder whether cab drivers in London would call themselves working class or middle class. Middle class money, I would think. Working class values. Don't you think so? That's what I would think. Uh, quite right, says Paul. Who gives a monkey about class when you've got lots of uh, money in your pocket? Yes, yeah, so it comes down to money, doesn't it? Although, actually, they had a, a guy on the television yesterday. Poor old Reggie Yates was doing a programme about transgender people and gay people within uh, the Muslim community and the black community and things like that. And so he goes around to interview this bloke whose son is now dressing as a woman and is saving up for uh, gender realignment. And he talks to this bloke. He said, because you're just recently out of prison, aren't you? He's been in prison four years, this bloke. I don't think he's seen his son for God knows how long. And at the end of it, Reggie shakes down and goes, a real great pleasure to meet you, I think. Are you going to tell us what he's been in prison for? I was more worried about that than anything else. Uh, another one here, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, do you call the evening meal dinner or supper? I don't have an evening meal. I'm in bed. There you go. So I call it tea. <laughs> uh, another one here. Uh, a lot of people talking about this this class thing. I don't think any of you know what it is. I'm pretty certain nobody knows what it is, it's, which, which, of course, I find fascinating. Because uh, And then the uh, Nicholas says the charity adverts on Christmas. Why do they ask for exact donations like £12.29? Yes, I mean, I don't understand, I don't understand that either. I'm assuming it's because of the VAT. That's that's the only reason I'm I'm guessing. That's the only reason I'm guessing. It's something to do with with the VAT. I'm, I'm, that's what I think it is. That's what I think. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Lots of pictures of silly old Helen Mirren who's turning into sort of that dipsy old lady who pops up at everything. Oh, here she is again wearing another funny little outfit. Here she is advertising stuff on the television. Here she, she is at. Um, at the opening night of the School for Rock musical, they say the increasingly controversial star. Nothing controversial about her. She's just an old woman who swears. There's nothing controversial about that at all. I just think she's sort of she's rapidly going round the bend, I think. The coin hall. Friendships. We had the trouble a short while ago, didn't we, on the programme, with the woman who encroached 15 inches onto her neighbour's property, took her to court, she loses, and then she didn't follow through with all the paperwork and everything else, and so now she's got legal bills of £50,000. And the judge said, she's taken it to the Court of Appeal, saying it's absolutely ridiculous. I was told to pay them 2900 now it's 50000 the judge says, well, you should have followed the procedure. Nobody reads anything nowadays. So on the X Factor, they tell you exactly. They're quite clear about it. Simon Cowell is nobody's fool. He's a very, very bright, terribly, terribly clever man, and he surrounds himself with terribly, terribly clever people. He's, he's, he's quite brilliant at it, you know, and so people go on there and they can shout and they can say, you don't know what you're talking about. He knows everything. He knows everything. He doesn't, you know, the, the idea that people treat him like an idiot is totally wrong. He's so bright. He's had a lifetime in the industry. He knows what sells. He knows what doesn't sell. And if people can't be bothered to read the information they're given when they sign up to the X Factor, more fool them. You know, you can't complain afterwards and go, oh, I was only getting 50 quid a week, under 50 quid a week, and I can't live on it. That's not their business. They're not in the business of charity. It's a television programme. They're giving you. If you paid them every time you appeared on television, you'd owe them a fortune. Quarter to six is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. It's Tuesday, the 8th of December. When do the kids uh, finish doing uh, school? It can't be that far away, can it? That means the buses are going to be empty, which is always a good sign, I always think. Uh, one thing is for sure, Steve, reclass. You can't buy it. Oh, you can. Oh, you so can. Victoria Beckham bought class. Absolutely. You know, her father's an electrician. She bought class. They used to go to school, admittedly, in a second-hand Rolls-Royce. But uh, that's why they called her posh. She was never posh. The, the, the family are very much working class. But now she's, she's elevated herself. I mean, so funny, she's walking through uh, in the papers today. Same picture was printed yesterday of her going to LA airport yet again, or New York or something, wearing this dreadful dress. It's the sort of thing your grandmother would have worn donkeys years ago. But also, they say she doesn't appear to have a passport with her. Perhaps she, pri- perhaps she doesn't need a passport. Perhaps she just goes, I'm Victoria Beckham. And they go, yeah, right. But, I mean, she's never with Dave now, are they? Very rare. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for Christmas. Because they're bound to tell us, aren't they, before Christmas. We'll have a picture of Dave shopping. Presumably the tree must be up somewhere. Whether they do it in America or here, I've got no idea. And then we'll find out what, what Dave has bought her. I bet you anything, it'll be a jewel. That's the only way they can get themselves in the paper. Buying her a bottle of aftershave, or sorry, perfume, uh, isn't kind of going to make it into the papers. But buying her a very expensive diamond will be the sort of thing. And they do that for publicity purposes. Anyway, um, more, more friendship. Stories gone wrong in the paper today. After the poor lady with the 15 inches, she encroached on somebody else's property and uh, she's she's probably going to have to sell the house, I should imagine, uh, if the other people go, you know, well, yes, we're definitely going. We want the money, thank you. Anyway, this is a coroner now who has ordered two friends to go to court to settle a bitter row over who discovered a bumper hall of Roman coins. Metal-detecting enthusiasts Annie Artson and James Petz are locked in a dispute over who found the 1,600 coins in a field. An inquest, an inquest, if you please, which ruled the loot was treasure. Heard Mr Artson was first to come across a handful of coins when he detected an unstable signal before Mr Petz joined him. The hearing was told Mr Artson walked off and was 100 yards away when Mr Petz discovered the remainder of the coins in a red earthenware pot. 1,600 Roman coins. Anyway, the pair, both members of the Surrey Searchers, that's a metal detecting club, have now fallen out, as indeed they would. Mr Artson wants to be named as the finder of the coins, dating back more than 2,000 years. Mr Petz believes it should be declared a joint find, as he discovered 99% of them. But when Mr Petz suggested they be named joint finders, he says Mr Artson refused, and they have not spoken since. The Romano British coins found in a field in the New Forest near Lymington last May. Experts say the coins date between 260 and 274 AD, made from 99% bronze and 1% silver, are worth at least £8,000. You see, I thought they'd be worth more. I thought they'd be worth like a million. 8000 The find is so significant, the British Museum is interested in buying one of them. In a statement, Mr Artson said, I have no interest in the monetary value. I just want to be named as the finder of a Roman coin hoard. I can only speculate as to Mr Petz's motives. Mr Petz said, the majority of the hoard is in the pot which I found, but I said it should be a joint find. We've not spoken since. It's a real shame. We were at his wedding. Mr Artson was unavailable for comment. Uh, The Central Hampshire coroner, Graham Short, says if they cannot agree between themselves, it's a matter for the courts. I mean, just based on what I've told you there, uh, Mr Artson found a handful of coins, but the pot with 1,600 in was found by Mr Petz, you know, who's tried to be nice. Mr Artson doesn't appear to be playing ball on this one. But uh, it's funny, isn't it? Friendship, people just fall out. People just fall out over it. Terry says, do you wear a collar and tie in employment? 
Don't be silly, we're a radio station. Why would you wear a collar and tie? Even my bosses don't wear collars and ties. In fact, one of my bosses in the summer comes in in a sports shirt and shorts. And trainers, why, why would you wear collar and tie? Never heard anything so ridiculous in my life. I don't, do you think there's anybody, seriously, well, there is, I do know one producer in this building who does wear collar and tie. That's the, the only, I've never seen anybody else wearing collars and ties. Perhaps some of the salespeople might wear them, but no, the majority of people in, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the radio and entertainment business, casual. Jeans, t-shirts, sweatshirts, collar and tie, good God, who wears collar and tie now? Unless you work in a shop. I don't know that. Terry says, uh, Alan Sugar and uh, Simon Cowell get to air their businesses on television and get paid for it. Result? Yes, absolutely. But it's their, it's their business, isn't it? And they do it very, very well. And they're very, very successful at it. So I'm just, sorry, hitting my, my screen. Wait a minute. I shall do it in a minute. That's better. I have to do that to get the, uh, the mouse back. It then sort of it vanishes. And then all of a sudden it comes back on. Uh, which is nice. Mark says, the busy lead-up to Christmas as the mayor continues this morning with a visit to the sorting office to meet the hard-working postman. Wow. Uh, apparently, I should imagine Friday, December the 18th, schools go on their two-week Christmas break and then back on January the 4th. God, how nice, actually. Apparently, generally, generally speaking, if you have a profession such as medicine or law, you're selling your knowledge... Uh, likely have high aspirations in life, which will put you in the middle-class group. If you're working class, you'll likely be in low-skilled employment with a less secure stake in society and lower expectations. Oh, I'm definitely middle-class then. I don't have low expectations. <laughs> I don't have that at all, Will. So, uh, no, definitely, I, I think I must be middle-class now. I don't think it makes any difference, really, does it? <laughs> I don't think... But if you hear somebody who's been to, you know, posh school, they might have been to posh school because their parents were in the forces and you get to go to posh school at a discount. So that, that could be it, couldn't it? Amanda in Mottingham says kids break up on the 18th of December, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. And um, uh, our lovely daughter, says Lynn, bought her dad a couple of tickets to see Richard Digens. Good Lord. For his 60th, I interviewed Richard years and years ago. And uh, we went on Saturday, absolutely fantastic. And to cap it all, she'd taken the, uh, the time out uh, to send him a very moving email, which he read out. So in all in all, a wonderful evening. Veronica says, I wonder what the Storm Desmond flood victims were thinking as they watched the Prime Minister and many government ministers in wellies all saying the usual lessons will be learned. Yeah, they said that last time. They said that last time. And uh, Dave says, I always tell people I'm upper working class because of where I live and shop. I love M&S. He lives in Hampstead. But my job is a home help. Cleaner. Cleaner. OK, that's what they call home helps nowadays. <laughs> See, I like that idea. I like that. And uh, another one here very, very quickly. Let's try and uh, weave in some more. I worked with, uh, with a posh lady who referred to evening meal as supper. Up, no, up north they call lunch dinner, says Patrick. Do they? Lunch would be dinner. Why would that be? You see, I, I call it... Um, I have tea because it's, it, it's not supper and it's certainly not, not dinner. It's tea as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've got a story coming up for you, the other side of the news. Which is very interesting. He's a, he's a farm worker. Well, he's a farmer, actually. His name's Simon Chaplin. He's a most peculiar person. I mean, he really is slightly odd. Anyway, he's, um, he's, he's facing prison at the moment. What he did was, he, he's, he's, he got a car. Well, I say a car. Loosely called a car. It looks like it's falling apart. And um, the police started pursuing him. So he flicked a switch on the dash dashboard and colossal amount of smoke came out of the exhaust pipe. In other words, providing a smoke screen, a little bit like a Bond car. 
you know, the Bond car, which can sort of push out smoke and nails and everything else and oil all over the road. Anyway, um, diesel was pumped into the hot exhaust pipe, producing clouds of smoke. The chasing officer wanted to stop the Peugeot because of a number plate that didn't look right. He turned around near Haverford West in West Wales and faced clouds of smoke as this man called Simon Chaplin uh, accelerated away. Anyway, uh, they did follow him. Uh, because obviously it's quite easy to find somebody out in the Welsh countryside with a plume of smoke behind you. And they found him in a farmyard, cornered in the village of Crundale. And there PC Birth discovered Chaplin had something else worthy of a Bond film, a 9mm Beretta handgun, but it was only a replica. So he's now been convicted of causing damage to other road users. I mean, he's a complete idiot. Uh, cleared of possessing a firearm. He said he panicked when PC Birch activated a blue light. The smoke machine, he added, was designed to, wait for this... Get rid of moles. Of course it was, dear. Uh, anyway, uh, moles live underground. They don't live overground at all. He said that normally a pipe would be connected to the exhaust and pushed into the mole hill. He's going to be sentenced later, but he's been warned he's going to face prison. So, uh, you know, be warned. If you, you do see people that adapt their cars nowadays, don't you? I see them constantly. People who've sort of put lights underneath. Many people live in Slough. It's very low rent. And they put lights under their car and sort of jack up the back of it. And they, they drive around multi-storey car parks because, quite frankly, the, these cars, they've added so many strange bits onto them. They're not actually fit for purpose. They're not fit for purpose at all. Uh, Jim says Roman coins don't fetch huge sums as they're uh, in much abundance, unlike Anglo-Saxon coins. I thought they'd be worth more than £8,000. Would you not think so? I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed at that. But uh, as one of them said, it's nothing to do with the money. It's not to do with the money. It's to do with who actually found the treasure trove. 1,600 coins. Had to separate them all. Lovely, isn't it? Lovely. Coming up to the news at 6 o'clock. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And it's the 8th of December. It's Tuesday. The wall of silence that shames the NHS. We'll come around to that one in a, a moment. The thousands more who are facing flood hell. Six more inches of rain, they say, could fall this weekend. So just when they've sort of started clearing out, it's coming back in again. Burt Reynolds causes outrage on a TV appearance. They put it out as a press release, practically. It's Loose Women. He recorded it the other day. It's going out today. In theory, they could cut this out, but they won't, because presumably they're looking for an audience for the programme. Uh, the girl abandoned by Prince Harry's charity at the age of 12. It really doesn't seem possible. Uh, the lies which led to the, uh, led to the bin lorry tragedy, and Carrie Fisher returns as Princess Leia. All of that and more on LBC with Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six, Tuesday, the 8th of December. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Very welcome. It's not, it's not, uh, not cold at all. I wouldn't believe we were in December, would you? I thought by now we'd all be freezing to death, but uh, apparently not. Mild winter. Oh, we'll wait and see. We'll have a check on the weather later on for you. But Reynolds causes outrage on Loose Women. Recorded yesterday, shown today. They've got every opportunity to take it out. What he basically says is that Charlie Sheen deserved to have the AIDS virus. Britain's being warned by the government to cook all meat thoroughly. They're worried about people becoming uh, very ill. Uh, the girl, aged 12, abandoned by Prince Harry's charity. This one uh, slipped through the net. And the military wives' choir record a song to remember the forgotten heroes. Lord Greville Janner will never face trial. He's 87. His dementia is uh, too far advanced. And um, half of Britain think they're middle class. 
or think we're middle class or somebody's middle class. Uh, ben in Nashville says a guy went metal detecting on the beach. He was digging for five hours till he realised he had steel toe cap boots on. I always wanted a metal detector. That was my one big grievance in life, that uh, I didn't have a metal detector. I could, and yet I see people doing it. This is after the story in the paper today of the, uh, the two good friends who've fallen out over who discovered the find. And the truth of the matter is, it's quite clearly the second man. The first man found a few coins. The second man, because the other one then moved away, he found the big pot with 1,600 in. And he wants to, say, put us down as, as, you know, as, as joint. But the other one said, no, I found them. Well, he didn't. I mean, quite clearly. So they're going to have to go to court over it. So a friendship has been lost. Does seem a bit silly, doesn't it? Um, the Black Cab Poet, who is Michael, says, uh, Pleasure meeting everybody on Sunday. A good time. Thanks to Julian. Steve, you're quite literally on fire. Yes, it, it is practically like being on fire. And I was quite literally on fire. Uh, Ikem says, uh, I love your show. Very entertaining. Uh, 8 for 8580. Uh, and also... Um, the other story, what was the other story in the paper? Oh, yes, the uh, the penguins going undercover to track down a magical Christmas offer. Because every time I turn on the uh, the television, uh, I think it's on Channel 5 at the moment, they're showing Christmas films every single day, Christmas films. And half of, I start their watch and I think, oh, this will be quite... And I think, wait a minute, I've seen this before. I'm very good at uh, at seeing... Christmas films on the subject of lunch and dinner. At school, dinner was served up by the dinner ladies from midday. When we got home, we had tea at tea time. Supper was just a snack to see if we were hungry before bedtime. Yes, you're right. Dinner was served by dinner. They were called dinner ladies. So it must have been dinner, but in fact, it was really lunch, wasn't it? It's very confusing, isn't it? So, and so, would you like a light supper? That's what it was. That would be before you went to bed. And uh, your mother said, she wouldn't say, she'd just say, do you want a sandwich? It's after you'd already had your tea. And then, because you had tea at tea time, and then you had maybe a sandwich later. It was like, a, I'll do a cheese and pickle sandwich. So your mum would make two rounds of cheese and pickle sandwiches, and you'd split them. And uh, and that would be it. Or you'd have a cup of cocoa or something like that. But we never had very much before we went to That was called a light supper. It gets very confusing, doesn't it, trying to work out what is supper, what is dinner, what is tea, what is brunch. That's a new one, isn't it? And uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Zeela says, uh, can I help you out? You are no more working class than Kate Middleton's parents. I'm definitely working class. I'm definitely working. I come from a working class background. I've, I've accepted the fact, though, that I'm middle class now because I do a middle class job. I mean, I don't sip mint juleps and I don't like gin. So I think you have to enjoy gin, don't you, to be a, a middle class person, probably. And, uh, and I, I don't do gin. I can't bear gin. John Warrington loves gin. I, I can't absolutely bear it at all. And uh, spending my last day, says Sharon, in Mumbai doing nothing. I've ordered my photos online from Costco in Watford. Tomorrow it'll be Sharon from Stanmore again. Christmas decorations to do as soon as possible. Thank you for keeping me company. All you have to do to be kept company when you go away on holiday is to, uh, is to subscribe to the LBC app. It's free to download. I say subscribe to it. You just have to go on onto the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Download that app and you can listen to LBC around the world. How simple is that? So no going away saying, oh, I want to listen to LBC. I want to listen to Ian Dale today or James O'Brien or, or anybody else. And you go, oh, I can't. Well, you can. You can. And it's free to do it. So why not do it? Uh, little Julie says the dancing Christmas tree was so funny. Most of us have also ordered one. It's made by Premier. It's only small, isn't it? But I mean, we laughed. We laughed. We thought it was so funny. So funny. Uh, Tom is not a fan of Enya. 
I mean, she has done the same thing, but that's what she does, isn't it? That's what that's the there is a unique sound, which is which is Enya. And that's why I I love it. Uh, Apparently, working class means you live paycheck to paycheck. You have a high debt to income ratio. You have a net worth close to zero and you do or do not have equity in your home. Don't be so silly. It can't be that, Frank. Can't be. The producer's going, he's working class now. You see, we just dragged him out of the gutter. You know, and all of a sudden he now wants to go back into it. Middle class means you have a low debt to income ratio. You can save at least 10% of your gross income. You have a net worth above zero and you have equity in your home. Well, I don't have any debts. I can honestly say, well, apart from the debt to the tax man, which will be going next year, but I don't have any debts. I made that conscious decision some years ago. It's very easy to live in debt. Very, very easy to live in debt. Very easy. Every time you go into a store, they go, do you have a so-and-so card? Do you have a this card? And, and it would be very easy to live, as I used to many, many years ago, by putting stuff on a credit card and then suddenly realising that it was false economy. So I listened to all the experts and uh, I had an accountant who said, listen, let's pay off the credit card and do not use the credit card. So now if I use the credit card, and it's very rare, we pay it off in full at the end of the month. So that I don't, I don't want to incur any charges. That's the whole idea. Any of the of the debt uh, people who offer advice will tell you. You hear them on LBC with Clive Bull. They'll tell you that you can use one card to pay off another. You can juggle if the interest, but it's so complicated to sort of juggle one card. I just make sure that you live within your means. That's all your parents ever told you to do. Live within your means. This time of year, I appreciate the fact that many of you are going to get yourselves into a little bit of trouble because you're going to be going, well, the kids want this, they want that. And so you're going to have to sort of buy something and you're going to put yourself into debt. And then come the end of January, all those bills are going to start piling in. So when you get paid at the end of January, all of a sudden the bills are going to be in and the money's vanished against you back where you started. Because Christmas is a very, very expensive time. You know, if you're in a family and you've got kids, I mean, frankly, contraception would have been better. But you've got the kids, so there you go. And, you know, you want a tree. The kids want presents. You know, and that's why people go to markets and they'll, they'll be looking for all the bargains online. That's what people want. They want bargains. They want, you know, the bigger the present is, the more expensive it looks. But you will go into debt over Christmas. By the time you've done, even though I've offered advice on how to get the cheapest Christmas dinner, how cheap you can actually make it, still people will be saying, and I guarantee on Christmas morning when we're sitting here, and we will probably open up, well, almost nearly, and, and may, well, maybe, uh, open up the phone lines, uh, just to find out what, what people get for Christmas. Because I'm always fascinated by what people get for Christmas. I'm always been intrigued by it. You know, some, you might not have anything for Christmas. You might be by yourself this Christmas. I always think, go and inflict yourself on the neighbours. Go round, knock on the door, go, oh, hello, I, I wasn't actually doing anything. Uh, would you um, would like to come round to my place for a cup of tea? And they'll go, no, w- w- would you like to come in for a drink? Get yourself in there, get into the table and just go, oh, well, I, well if, if you're offering, I could force down a little bit of turkey. I think the older you are, the more you should do this. I think you have to make yourself very unnecessary this, this Christmas. There is no excuse for anybody who is elderly sitting by themselves for Christmas. Not when you've got radio and you've got... Te- well, television doesn't quite work in the same way. Radio is far more immediate and there will be people out there. You know that the taxi drivers, the black cab drivers are going round making sure that there's, you know, the people sleeping in doorways and they will be sleeping. It makes no difference to them whether it's Christmas Day, New Year's Day or Armageddon. They'll be sleeping in doorways and it's, it might be cold. So they're collecting the blankets and the clothing and the socks and the woolly hats and everything else. And I know that loads of you have been very, very generous and they're very, very grateful for that. So that's, that, that was good news. And, and that's it. There are loads of people who will volunteer 
at Christmas to go and serve Christmas lunch to people who wouldn't have a Christmas lunch. And, and people give up their Christmases. It's terribly rewarding. It's terribly, terribly rewarding. My, my gift to you is I'm going to be here Christmas Day for breakfast. I know what you're saying. Not much of a gift, really. But uh, between 7 and 10 on Christmas morning, I will be here. And we will sort out the problems with the poinsettia, with the turkey, with the pigs in blankets, with the crispy roast potatoes, with all the things that we hope will go to make a good Christmas this year. And we keep our fingers crossed that it's peaceful. But uh, as long as you've got LBC, you don't actually need to worry about uh, anything else. Uh, Beckham makes the papers again today. Talking about yesterday, he prefers rugby. I'm a bit bored with David Beckham's pronouncements. I couldn't really care less, actually. He's a footballer. He never played rugby. And, um, of course, he wouldn't have played rugby because football gives you obscene wages. When you look at how much some footballers earn, when you look at the rugby players, they don't earn anything like that. They wouldn't earn two or three hundred thousand pounds a week playing rugby. Definitely not. But footballers in France earn a lot of money. But who wants to go to France? They never liked us. Yeah, there's, there's no salary cap over in France, but over here there is. Why it's not, you know, the rugby players haven't been able to earn the sort of money, I've got no idea. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, well, really nice to be company. Nice to have company. It's, uh, they're coming from here. Oh, sorry, I was, I was hearing voices in my ears. I was a bit, I was a bit tinnitus. Oh, right, OK. I'll start, I'll start tidying my studio, because I'm, I'm very... Oh, that means we have to go downstairs to record our... Uh, our podcast. <laughs> Hadn't thought about that one today, had we? Uh, don't argue with your neighbours is the advice for you today. The advice being, don't argue with your neighbours. It can cost you dear. David Hasselhoff admits uh, that he's he's broke. He has uh, he has no money. He's earned, he said, millions. And the reason he's, he's broke is, he said, because he's got ex-wives and children and things like that and hanger honours. Well, only of his own making, I would have thought. I've got no hanger-oners as far as I know. So Elvis Presley used to have loads of hanger-oners. Friday was hanger-oner day at Elvis's, uh, Elvis's camp, and they'd all line up with their hands out, and uh, that's why Elvis died broke. In fact, as I said before, um, the, uh, the problem with Elvis was, uh, when he died, one of the RCA executives said, good career move. Good career move. Incidentally, bad news for you today. I don't like to bring you bad news. Um, because we're having to use this studio, they're drilling downstairs so we can't uh, record the free podcast for today so tomorrow you get extra double bubble okay tomorrow you get double bubble and so uh, that'll be it but no no free podcasts uh, for so I'll, I'll hang on to all the uh, the stories that we've got where are we going to hang on to them i have no idea but we'll hang on to them for uh, for tomorrow so no free podcast because they're they're drilling in the uh, the building quite a lot of drilling in the building actually so Hasselhoff's earned the money had to pay it out to ex-wives and everybody else, and uh, it's not uh, it's not going to happen, so he's broke. How oh, he gets around? He's doing pantomime this year. He did pantomime last year. But as we told you last week on LBC, they're not paying the big money. It would certainly be not unheard of for uh, some of these pantomime stars to pick up £100,000. £100,000 for a week. For a week. It, there's serious money involved in, in some pantomimes. You know, an average panto star could probably pick up six to £10,000. Unlike uh, rugby players. Apparently, the top rugby player in France, where they don't have a cap on it, is about one point something million. About 1.3 million. But for the same period of time, Cristiano Ronaldo, 33 million. That's the difference between football and rugby. Why, why there's not parity, I've got no idea. Cristiano Ronaldo probably paying for... All sorts of things, if the papers are to be believed. It's what, that's what, TV money, isn't it? It's phenomenal, isn't it, really? When you, look, when you think, 33 million, if, I'm blaming my parents entirely. 
If only they hadn't bought me a netball outfit when I was younger and I'd been allowed to kick a football around. I could have been kicking a football. Not now, obviously. But uh, it would have been nice, actually, wouldn't it, if you're earning that sort of money. But there again, most of them look terribly miserable. They've got all the cars, but are they happy? No, not really. Um, I'm going to find this story of uh, Prince Harry's charity. It's a very odd one, actually. It's a very odd story, and I can't remember which which paper I I read it in. It's about a young girl, and... um, they found her some years ago, and her, her name is Centabale. Uh, no, it's not. Centabale means forget-me-not in the uh, Sethoto tongue of Southern Africa. The irony is not lost on 12-year-old Liketso. She was the little girl who inspired Prince Harry to help Africa's forgotten AIDS victims and launch a charity in his mother's memory. But the sun today can reveal the shocking truth about the girl whose tragedy once moved a prince to the verge of tears, for they can dis- disclose that Lexo has been all but abandoned by the same charity which once happily paraded her as its poster girl. Uh, they say here she claims to have received no care, no counselling and no medical help from Centabale. Instead, she survives in poverty, 83 pence a day, and often goes without food. Back in 2004, Prince Harry was cuddling her, and there were all sorts of promises, and uh, it was horrible, Harry said in a TV documentary. She couldn't move, she had no expression, no laughing, no crying, nothing at all, just completely emotionless. Uh, And so at the moment, she's got nothing. Uh, Harry is clearly devoted to helping vulnerable children. He'll be devastated. In fact, he should be told about this. This should not have allowed to fall, un- to fall under the radar. A Centrebale spokesman said they wouldn't comment on an individual case. But this is atrocious. This is absolutely atrocious. Kensington Palace said, Prince Harry is very proud of the support Centrebale has provided tens of thousands of children. Well, how come this one that he cuddled then? They, they've almost dismissed her out of hand, haven't they? Which they shouldn't do. Apparently... Uh, Liketso has never even heard of the Children's Centre, which Prince Harry opened last month to huge publicity. Medical care is one way Centre Bali could really help. That and her education. And she's had nothing. She's just been abandoned. You know, it's all publicity now, isn't it? And very little, you know, come on, they should know about this. This girl, should he not have been checking? It's not like he's got a million and one things to do in his life. Should he not have been checking, saying, you know that little girl I met in 2004? Why am I not following her career? Where is she now? She's struggling, Harry. She's struggling. He says, I mean, he said at the time, I quote, I'll support her growing up with her education, everything. And quite clearly, nothing. Nothing. I mean, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. You need to pull your finger out and get back there and sort her out. Because that was the person you met in 2004. I mean, quite clearly, it's all done for publicity purposes. And I understand how it works. Don't get me wrong. I quite understand how that works. And quite clearly, you're way too busy to be bothered about one little girl that you promised to do everything for in 2004. But, you know, to be honest with you, this should be top of the agenda. Somebody in your group of people, it's not like he's not surrounded by bunches of people, should be able to say to him, listen, what about that little girl in 2000? Where's she now? Let's go and find out. It takes a newspaper to find out. That's how embarrassing it is. It's not good enough. It really isn't. It really is not good enough at all. Uh, what do we have? Oh, the, the, the raiders. They raided somebody. Saying, You're going to find stories in the papers coming up to Christmas, which are going to be about, you know, families who are burgled. And they go, oh, all the Christmas presents were under the tree, you know, on the 8th of December. And uh, burglars saw them through the window and nicked them. In this particular case, uh, they saved the pet goldfish after knocking over in its bowl. And uh, so Monica and Lane McGill returned from a late night out to find two laptops, a camera and £2,000 gone. Who in their right mind keeps 2000 quid at home? What? Oh, yes. Yes. OK. Right. 
I mean, who on earth, seriously, you know, actually has £2,000 home? So, in other words, about three, three grands full of uh, stuff. It's ridiculous. Thank you so much for listening.